Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika soft gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. So then I learned that Marilyn was also going to go legal for medical cannabis. So I asked my husband, how would he feel about me using weed again? And his thing was, if it was going to keep me from working at him and the kids, go ahead and try it out. As well. <laughs> this is the Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast and around the world who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving, continuing on her mission to lift up the stories of the women creating the cannabis industry by sharing their canna stories with you. So go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back and learn something new about this magical plant on The Canna Mom Show with Joyce Gerber. From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's the Canna Mom Show. Now here's your host, Joyce Gerber. Welcome back to another episode of Season 5 of the Canna Mom Show. I am Joyce Gerber, and thank you for joining us as we continue on our mission of crushing that stigma around cannabis and caregiving one can of story at a time. Thank you. Hey, so Dave, it's a big Boston Cannabis Week. It is. Why is it such a big week? It is actually... Boston Cannabis Week. Oh, it is. <laughs> I thought you said it's a big Boston Cannabis Week. And I was like, why is it so big? So it is. Okay. So then by definition, it's a big week. That's cool. So, uh, How are you celebrating? We're supposed to have a golf event early, but it's been raining here like the tropics. So they're going to postpone that. But I went to a great virtual event networking today. And there is a fashion show down in the seaport, I think. And we're doing an event on Friday, after, Friday evening at the Hollows Club. It's a piano bar on High Street. And what else is going on? So many things. So check it out. Boston Cannabis Week. I'm part of it. It's and I've actually never been here for one of these weeks. Last year I was away, then it was COVID. So this is the fifth year they're doing it. Mm. Big week. Big week for the yeah. Cannamom Show. Big week for Cannabis in Boston. And I know this always comes out a week late, although it has been coming out on YouTube early. So if you're listening now and you want to see this early or hear this early, I'm on YouTube usually several days before I actually release the show. That's a little insider information there. 
That's right. Mm-hmm. And you and you get to you get to actually see Joyce and I peering into the camera with such conviction. Right. Looking baffled, like where do I look? The green light, where's the green light? <laughs> right. All right. So Dave, do you remember in season last season I was talking about on my what did I call it? My culture corner? Noah Khan. I don't know if you remember him. Yes, I do. He was a singer songwriter. He lives in Watertown now. He's like wow. a neighbor. Oh, cool. Excellent. He's a man. He's a man. He's crushing it. Uh, he's all over the place. He does like great. I love like songs with lots of words in it. I'm a word person. I wrote novels and things. So it's just, and he's very New England based. He's wait a like minute. A whole wait new a genre minute. Of, like, you like songs with lots of words in them? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's so, like just like the what? pop songs are too like repetitive. I like stories, like long stories. Like think of like, I don't know, old I can't like I'm terrible you know, at anything. Y- yeah, you know what my favorite story song is? Well, I'll give you two. One is Bad yeah. Bad Bad Le- Leroy Brown. You know that uh, song, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 it, yeah. That tells a great story because the bad guy Leroy Brown gets it in the end. And the other one is The Devil Went Down to Georgia. With, oh yeah, um, with, you need uh, a good violin player for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so I'm with you. I love a good story song. So he's a good story song, and that's, I don't know, just check him out if you haven't followed him. He just he was playing, I guess he's been doing, he's traveling the world now, so who knew this kind of music was going to come back? Uh, he he blew up once you mentioned him on the Cannabom show. I don't wish such power here. Yeah. All right, so speaking of stories and words and blowing things up, so my Keanu romance, she's taking a break, is done, and we are now publishing it in serial style on my website, in the newsletter, and in LinkedIn, I believe. So if you're just listening, sign up for my newsletter. If you're following my newsletter, listen to the podcast. I haven't done an audio version yet, but maybe I will. But we're doing it week by week. Chapter one is out next week. Chapter two will be out on Monday's newsletter because that's when our newsletter goes out. And all the information is in the show notes of this episode, as usual, right? Because that that is what I do. That's what you do. I don't know if that's how you're supposed to do it, but that is how I yes, do it. Yes, that's how you, that is how you're supposed to do it, for sure. It's all a made up thing that we're making here, cannabis and podcasting. So I want to congratulate. We did a big Instagram giveaway last week with my bud vase and courage and cannabis. And our winner was Meredith L. If you're listening, Hi. congratulations. Uh, so all of that should be coming your way soon. It was such a fun giveaway. Courage and cannabis was excited to do another one. So we're going to do some more, more collaboration. So I know Jane West is on board. I've interviewed her. She's got some great products and I'm sure other people are going to want to do this. So maybe we'll do one every couple of months and I don't know. It's all about creating community and us having pretty things. I love it. I love it when we reward the Canamom Nation. We love you out there. We love that. We're like we're accessorizing you. Right. All right. And <laughs> there is still time to vote. If you have not voted for the Canamom Show for their MJ Award, please do it. Again, I have my shoes and my dress. <laughs> my friends are like, are you going gray? I'm going with my gray hair. This is who I am. On the Canamom Show, I'll be wearing great shoes with gray hair. I'll be there. Yes. Can I vote more than once? Vote, yeah, I think vote you can. Vote often? I might go back and vote again. <laughs> See, if Dave can do it, yeah. you can do it. Right. <laughs> I did it. So funny. And just one more thing. Any of my friends listening near or in Belmont, Massachusetts, we are talking with Cal Verde Naturals. It's a women-owned dispensary in Belmont, Mass. We're going to be hosting an event there. I keep talking about Avon-type parties. I'm hoping to invite other uh, manufacturers you know, have products in the dispensary there to have people there talking about it. And you can talk about it, learn about it, and buy it right there at the dispensary. And I don't know if it's going to be an invite only. I don't know how it's going to work. But Cal Verde and Belmont Mass is it's a good resource. And I'm hoping to do some more events like this around the state, if anyone's listening. Very cool. <laughs> they're listening. We know they're listening. 
And I think that's everything. I don't know. I haven't doing the culture corner. Do you think I should bring that back? I yes, like the music. That's I my lo- favorite part. I love the, I love the culture corner. <laughs> well, because you, because it, it affords you the ability to shout out a lot of different things, a TV show or a book or whatever. So and we're always we're always looking for more content these days. That's so. true. I do create a lot of content. That is true. I, I have a random assortment of things I like. I don't know if it's the mainstream, so maybe I'll pick it back up next week. I'll be ready. And I say, Noah Khan, I said them and look at them now. So who knows? That's right. <laughs> you get the Canamon bump. Canamon bump. Yeah. Yes. All right. All right. So we do have a show, so I'm going to keep moving forward. We have a special segment guest this week who's going to be joining us, Amy from Bountiful Farms, which is an award-winning premium and independent cannabis cultivator. I don't know. I visited them last spring, I think. They have a, a grow facility in Lakeville, Massachusetts. It was like going into like the Willy Wonka factory. Everybody had to be covered up and every room was separate and there were magical treats in every room. It was pretty amazing. <laughs> and the and the grow and the um, cult, main cultivator has this very long distinctive beard and like a strange little mustache. So he's very distinctive as well. Did he did he say everything you see in here you can smoke? Because that's what <laughs> Willy Wonka said. Anything you can see in here is edible, eatable, edible. Yeah. Yeah. Don't remember. I'll ask Amy when she comes here. <laughs> Anyways, so we're excited to be talking about a first one of its kind at home home phenom kit. Don't know what that is, neither do I, but I have one right here and she's going to talk about it and we're going to learn why it's such an exciting little, I don't know, oh, here she is, <laughs> exciting little thing we're going to be doing and we'll be talking to her in about 25 minutes. So that is Amy. She just, she, Hi, just, Amy. she just joined the video portion of the podcast. So welcome, Amy. Okay, so, and we'll be with you. It's actually because we're on YouTube. Now I have to be conscious of people watching me. All right. right. So we're going to move on, talk about today's guest, give her an introduction, and then we'll be talking to Amy from Bountiful Farms in about 25 minutes. And you're going to learn about what this thing is and why you should want one. Okay. Thanks, Dave. Another great little intro. See you later. My All pleasure. right. So today's guest, she is joining us from Maryland, and I think she is our first guest from that state. She is here to share her work as an infused baker, community advocate, and of course, mom, with a story that includes healing and so much hope. From her life as a homeless single teen mom to a powerful voice advocating for her community, please welcome to the Canna Mom Show, Luan Stribling. Welcome, Luan. Hello, hello. Thank you, Joyce, for having me. Thank you for joining. All right, so let's just start with Maryland. What is the status of cannabis in Maryland at this time? The status of Maryland cannabis, we are adult use legal now as of July 1. So we had a medical market since 2015, 2016, I believe. But now we are illegal for anyone who is 21 and older can go to a dispensary with their valid ID and purchase cannabis products from the dispensary. All right. So that's we're moving along it's state by state. Before I get to your personal story, just tell me about, a, is it Stribble? How do you, Treats? How do you pronounce it? Yes, yeah, Stribble Treats. We're Stribble District LLC. Stribble Treats is a division of our brand, and that covers the food portion of what I can produce. And what is so, how does that and how does that connect to the cannabis? Is it two different bakeries or how does that work? Well, yeah. Well, see, in 2019, I assumed that I was going to be able to apply for a license to be a processor and win it. So the Stribble District was created to do that to break the stigma and introduce cannabis in a beautiful way. So I bake creations and I make many products out of cannabis, and that's what I figured would be Stribble District LLC. Well, when I couldn't afford that processing license. And I had to go the bootstrapping way. State of Maryland said that I cannot include cannabis in my food as a cottage baker. So that's how Shibble Trees was born. I had to separate the bakery from the cannabis. Okay. So let's just talk about 
Well, before I go, let's let's just talk about your cannabis journey. So I alluded that you your early years are a little difficult. You're obviously someplace else right now. How, what was your cannabis journey like? How did it really start? And how did it transition into something that you saw as a business, beneficial to your community, good for moms? How did that, what, where did that begin? Well, yeah. <laughs> my introdu- ever since my introduction to cannabis, I, I was about 17 years old at 17. And I wanted to use it because everyone around me was happy and laughing and giggling. And I was sad and depressed. And I had been living depression for years, but I didn't know that I was depressed because we didn't talk about stuff like that then. I just wanted to find happiness. And I was homeless. I just was like house hopping, didn't have any parental guidance or anyone guiding me throughout life at that time. So it was just to make me smile at that time and be happy. Mm-hmm. And that's what it did. <laughs> and that- but then you had, so then you had, did have like a lot of people I know, they didn't really understand how I was working with their body. Maybe they weren't using it correctly. Maybe something happened. And then you, did you end your relationship with cannabis and then come back to it at some point? Well, I used it. I mean, I stopped because I got pregnant. So I didn't use it when I was pregnant at 18. And then I started up again when my son was about six months old, when I kind of was off nursing. And it's because I still was sad and just going through life depressed and dealing with Life was hard, and I felt that was the only thing I can use that I know that would make put a smile on my face, or at least temporarily. And I didn't realize I was using it to be dependent upon it, right? And so I did that for many years. I depended on the weed for over, like, between five to ten years, just so I can get up and function every day, the next day. But doing that, I still found myself sad. So I was like, if the weed is supposed to be helping me, then why am I still sad? And I had to really address what therapy would be for me and for our community because it's something that we really just do not talk about. It's taboo. But I had watched Intervention, I think, starting like 2005. And people had different journeys, different addictions that they were dealing with on that show. And it just really intrigued me. Or like, I was very interested to see what can therapy do for me. So it still took two years from that point to get to therapy. But that was the beginning for me. And again, I talk about when I on this show, I talk about cannabis like it solves all problems. Uh, what I really believe is that it's a tool, right? It's a tool like anything else. It's just not being used as a weapon. And in a lot of cases, what's ending up happening, these are, this is a long time ago you're talking about in terms of cannabis years. Right. You, know, you, couldn't, you couldn't talk about it. And if you were caught with it, you'd be put in jail. So this is a weapon that is being used against you. Yep. Your own cognitive dissonance, the only like, disconnection in your brain is that, but it's making me feel better. I am always yeah, amazed was- by the women who are like able to sort of like get through this and like kind of see my own personal experience is very positive. And maybe everything that's being said to me is wrong. Now we're in a place where that story is changing, but you were early on trying to deal with this dissonance. Yeah, this was back in 1995, between 1995 yeah. and 2000 and 2007, yeah. 2006. So yes, it was early. It was very much taboo and it was just street weed. So you just went to your whoever the neighborhood there was, there was no dispensary. So you can go to or even talk to people openly about it, especially like any parents, because they have been suffering for so many years from prohibition, what it's done to our families and families alike. Most people end up incarcerated. So people who deal with weed just look forward to going to jail because eventually you're going to get arrested and go to jail. And that's something that we all had to deal with back in that day. But for me, it was better for me to use weed than to drink alcohol, right? Because I can't function off alcohol. Like, so I just knew for me personally, it wasn't good for me to drink alcohol. So I just stuck to the weed. Again, I'm just always amazed the strength of someone's mind to say, this is everything being said to me is wrong. I feel better. I'm going to go with this and then actually feel better, which is what I think is changing other people's hearts and minds is when 
they see the person they love who feels better. It's like a interesting journey like for everyone. Little, yeah, you know, through, yeah. through the journey, you learn that you really have to not pay attention to the stuff that we were taught growing up because a lot of it has been lies. Yeah, but when you uh, go yeah. through <laughs> when you go through that journey, you start to research and learn for yourself because I'm so taught self learning so many things just because of my life how it's set up that I've had the ability to learn without people dictating to me what I need to be doing. Okay, so let's, can we just talk a little about your family? So when you started, so yeah, well, you you thought you were using too much and then sort of, did you come to a better conclusion after therapy that this is something that can be used as a tool? That's what I'm assuming happened to you or what no, happened next? No, it was many years before that happened. Oh, it was, okay. When I, when I decided to go to therapy, I stopped weed cold turkey. Like I just decided I wanted to be clear, like fully clear of anything that can inhibit my thoughts. Um, so I could really deal with what I was dealing with because I couldn't understand why I was doing the things I was doing. And the only way I can answer those questions is to really have someone assist me through that process and the therapist help me. I, cho- I chose to go to a therapist versus a psychologist because I didn't want to be prescribed more medicine. I don't, I don't want to be on pills ever. So I felt that a counselor would be better for me. Well, that's an interesting mm-hmm. perspective. Yeah. So many people want to go the other way. They just think it's easier to get a medication. But we know that is yeah. not true. I don't want to be medicated. Because <laughs> you, know, you hear so many things, especially back then, women taking, my mom's mostly taking volume and stuff like that. But they're literally like sedated. I, I couldn't be sedated. I had stuff to do. I had a son to raise. And being a single parent is hard. So I needed to get things done. Smart woman. All right. So, so you go through this process and then what did, did your family have any import or not import or what did they think about any of this that you were going through? Well, I didn't have input from my family because um, my father raised me, but up until my 17th birthday. So I've literally just been on my own in my own guidance and just searching for answers for myself from 17 on. And that meant I had visited many different churches. I mean, I just was all over the place just trying to search for healing for myself. And once I realized that I needed to find the healing within me and that the other people really weren't going to give me those answers. So I always believed in the plant, though. Like when I used to smoke back in the day, I used to say I'm going to smoke to the day I die. So here I am in this period where I'm not smoking at all. I'm like, well, what's going on Lee? But the thing that was so great about California and Colorado is that they've already started a medical program and they've legalized. So the information was coming to us, right? So I'm a big documentary fan, so I will follow any documentaries that's talking about weed. I'll follow Charlotte Fish's family story. Like, all those things intrigued me. So when it came to, like, I say maybe 2005, 2006, I realized I'm dealing with severe anxiety still. But because life was easier for me, I didn't know it was a problem. At this time, I had more kids. I was running a home-based daycare, so there's just children around me 24-7. And my house is not quiet anymore. My house is not clean anymore. It's stuffed everywhere. And it was a problem for me. And I didn't know how without being physical, because I was I chose to not be physical with my children because my older son, I was physical with him. But then through the processes of therapy, I learned that, that was generational stuff and I didn't want to do that anymore. So I had to figure out how can I help soothe me and just the information from Charlotte's family and the people who are using CBD in then California and Colorado was medical term for cannabis. I'm like, well, maybe this is something I should try. So then I learned that Maryland was also going to go legal for medical cannabis. So I asked my husband, how would he feel about me using weed again? And his thing was, if it was going to keep me from barking at him and the kids, go ahead and try it out. <laughs> I always say this, like, because I was not a cannabis user when my kids were little, and I've sort of been so much nicer to them. They just <laughs> felt bad about it. 
It's that it's like that with growth and patience. Like you don't have very much patience at all, right? But that's fatigue. I think it was I think it was mama fatigue. But you know, we all have it. But we were allowed to drink, which made it worse, and we didn't know. Cannabis can make you do that. Mm -mm. I can't drink. Drinking is not my thing. It's never been a thing for me. I learned that early on because early on I started to drink, like 12, 13 years old, taking sips from the bar, right? But it just, I don't like the taste of it. And I don't like the feel of balance. I have to be in control of my body and alcohol doesn't allow me to do that. So you're kind of still early in cannabis years. So you're just getting into the medical program. How old are your kids at this time? Okay, so 2007, well, 2008. No, no, I wasn't even. This is actually 2017. Oh, well, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I stopped in 2006, and I didn't pick back up until 11 years later. Okay, so that's kind of so, like in 2016, I had my cannabis awakening. That's what I call it. So, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I had baby lungs. And when I was coming back into the process, I didn't start with smoking because my kids have never seen smoke, right? So I was like, well, let me just eat some edibles. But with that, it was a lot of things people were making that I just don't consume. Like, I don't eat gummies. I don't eat cereal bars. I only eat stuff with a whole rack of mess in it because I have learned from myself it's better choices in eating as well, right? So I just had a friend, a close friend, actually my husband's best friend, helped me to get back into learning the numbers. So this is a whole new realm of cannabis now. Before, you're just making stuff. But now he showed me how to break it down per serving. Oh, the dosing. I love the stories about dosing. Like early stories, I'd be like, well, how would you know what was in there? And they'd be like, <laughs> Well, I would eat it and see how I felt. And then if it was too much, I'd take half. I'm like, yeah, that's not yeah. very medicinal. That's like, <laughs> no, no. So the dosing was important to me because when I did start back up, I just had to take a bite. But then you have to wait that long period to see how it's going to affect you. But that was really going to work for me. So I had to learn the dosing. And that's when I started to make my edibles and stuff. And when I came into this, I felt like I could make a business out of it for our family because I felt like I had all this great information that I can come to our community with and actually heal, help to heal our community because we need the healing. We've, mm-hmm. we've, we're, we've been in utero, like I was born in trauma. My parents had like a risk when they were together. And when my mom was pregnant with me, like they were fighting. So while I was in utero with my mom, I was still born through trauma. So people don't realize that it carries with you through life a lot of trauma and then the generational things like how our families are prone to violence, spankings and whoopings and like corporal punishment. All this stuff is not healthy. And again, I get talking about moms specifically that this idea that if you have a healthy mom, you have a healthy generation. So it's so important to take care of the caregiver. It is. It is. And that's why I say if I can bring this charge community for women, then because we're the foundation, in my opinion, to the home, even though my father is the one who raised me, he still had his, his mother and so forth. But I feel like we are the foundation because we do so much for the household and we can be healed for ourselves and we can then turn to our family, our children, our husbands, what it so be and help them understand the healing process as well. So, all right. So I'm actually going to shift a little. So 2017, you sort of get back into the world of cannabis, but now you're doing a lot for your community. You're involved with normal, you're involved with policy work, you're making healthy people around you. So I don't know, in, five minutes, in five minutes, can you just tell me? <laughs> What do you well, over your community? And then we're going to come back on the other side. Yeah. The weed helped me because I knew that I wanted to lobby at 18 for weed because I used to watch it on TV. I didn't know how they do that. But just life, how it ended up and just me being an advocate and speaking out about these things, I was invited to join Maruma. And it just kind of took off from there. I've always wanted to speak up for what I believe is right. I'm a people and child advocate. I'm a freedom advocate is what I say. 
And anything that I feel like is locking down our freedom, I'm going to fight for. And, and what kind of things? Just, can we talk a little bit about like what uh, something initiative you're working on specifically now that you're really proud of, or something you're involved with, with like food and your community, or something very specific? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, for cottage businesses alone in Maryland, I like helped them realize that the cap was too low during COVID. We had a cap that has been in from the 1970s at twenty five thousand dollars. So. Last session, it was raised to $50,000, and we're still going to be working on that to get it raised some more. I'm actually the first vendor at a farmer's market who vends hemp products that's been like that for two years now. So I broke the, the stigma on that. And just we're still working with the social equity piece for Maryland because their guidelines is a lot of people who are left out, which would be me included if I didn't have my husband. So my focus right now is on the social equity piece with the Maryland Cannabis Licensing so that people who should qualify are also going to be included. And I, I love these policy, all the policy women across the country who are doing this. Politicians, I used to say, were followers, but they're really mirrors. They're like <laughs> reflecting whatever you're telling them. So if you only have a bunch of white guys who are worried about the retail space and all they want to care about is 280E, it's, that's not how the industry is going to look. So we need a lot yeah. of other voices out there standing up and doing what needs to be done. I don't know. I feel like all of us are small people around, but all of us together are more powerful. I literally do a podcast from my daughter's bedroom. But we're connecting across the country. So all this policy work is really important. So that is so great that you're doing that as well. All right. Yeah, it's very important. And real quick, just the, the, the local, the local, excuse me, local, the local elections, people don't realize how important it is on your local jurisdiction to be involved because that's really what governs how you live every day. Mm-hmm. And that's really where you can make change in your community. So I'm really focused on local level elections. And she's doing it, so so can you. And everybody yeah. feels like they want to figure this out for themselves. And there's education out there. There's all sorts of things for you to listen to, find out. Lawan did it. You can do it. I think the advocating is kind of almost what talking about it and trying to talk to it to others is what really helps you understand it as well. I think it's just what you're doing is powerful. All right, Lawan, let's get, just give a shout out for your your business, and then we're going to come back on the other side to finish up this conversation. Okay. I uh, thank you so much for the time. I am Shriwa District LLC. You can find me at we're surviving.com. That's W-E-R-E surviving.com. And our bakery is stribbletreats.com. That's S-T-R-I-B-B-L-E treats.com. And you can find me also through all the socials on our link bio forward slash stribble. Awesome. We're going to come back on the side and talk about momming because she's got a lot of kids too. So that's a husband. Okay. Like whole another conversation. And now we're going to talk with Amy from Bountiful Farms to talk about the Bounty Hunters Cannabis Kit. I know I didn't really understand what it is, but she's here to talk about it and tell us why it's so fun. Uh, thank you, Amy. Welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad I logged on earlier so I could be a part and, and listen in on that. Um, that uh, story of uh, your relationship with cannabis. Um, it, it's fun to have an audience too. So anyone listening, maybe that should be a thing. You want to come listen, watch this? It's live. Yeah. <laughs> watch live. All right. Uh, so tell me about the um, Fino Hunt Kit. I got my own and uh, why it's so special and why people should go find it and all of that. Of course. So Bountiful Farms, we are really dedicated to to innovation and education in our market. The The best a weapon against stigma, prejudice, bias is is knowledge. It's information. It's and it's knowledge. You can't yell your way out of someone disagreeing with you, but you use facts and you use information. You can you can start changing hearts and minds. So we're we're really dedicated to education, and and that's really what this product is. So to kind of give a really high level explanation of what a pheno hunt is, 
It's not exclusive to cannabis. Honestly, humanity has been doing it since we settled down and started, you know, having agricultural crops. Um, it is the process of of planting a whole bunch of seeds and and collecting your seeds from the plants that do the best, that are the healthiest, that produce the most fruits or vegetables. And that's how we ended up from yellow watermelons to red ones or why our fruit is sweeter now than it used to be. So really, it's just selective agriculture and, and a really normal, commonplace practice among anything that grows. The pheno in pheno hunt kind of relates back to phenotype. I'm going to bring everyone back to like seventh, eighth grade biology class. But the there's punish- science and math in this. This is a science, people. This isn't magic. <laughs> It's, yeah, it, it really is like the Punnett square, right? You have an AB parent and an AB parent. You've got 25% chance of an AA, 25% of BB, and then 50 of another AB. Or I use like the example, I take after my mom, my sister takes after my dad. We are genetically have the same parents, but it, that our differences physically have to do with our phenotypical expression of our genotype. So a pheno hunt, in, in relation to cannabis, you plant a whole bunch of seeds of a single strain, and none of them are going to be exactly the same, but you're going to start seeing phenotypes. You're going to start seeing similar groupings of, of characteristics and qualities of those. And then, um, you know, a cultivator will then decide which pheno that they got is the best representation of that strain or achieves the goal that they're looking for. So this um, is beyond THC content. This is about terpenes and this is about all exactly. the, the, whatever else they look for. Yeah. Right. But THC content is definitely part of it, right? You want to see a really shiny, sparkly nug with lots of trichome heads, but it it, it is terpenes. It is it's overall health of the plant. How resilient mm-hmm. is she? Is she going to stand up to mothering multiple clones or prone to sickness? Yield how how much of the the flower you get from a single plant? So those are those are all qualities that we're looking for. Terpenes is especially important for effects, right? And and we're a very we sell recreationally through wholesale, but our dispensary is only medical, and we are still very dedicated to the medical patient. So really focused on on terpene profiles and full effects. We did not invent pheno hunting. Cultivators do this all over and, and they kind of go through this process of picking their pheno hunt internally. What we've kind of decided to do with this kit as an education tool to open the community up to kind of understanding the cultivation process at a, at a much more granule and, and specific level, we are now providing kits. I actually have one right here. They look like this. And inside they have two eighths of the same strain but different phenos. And so we are inviting the consumer to try both, respond to a QR code that's inside of the product. And there's a short video that kind of explains what we're looking for, explains a pheno hunt, and then it invites the consumer to take a survey and let us know. So again, I always find this a little frustrating as a consumer that like I'll find a strain, a cultivar that I like, whatever, mm-hmm. and I buy it and then I can't get it again or I can't. That's a little frustrating, but I didn't even understand what I was looking for. And then when I go online, Leafly, Weedly, whatever, it's not consistent. Like, I don't know. It doesn't even seem to have any connection to the actual product I'm getting. So this is sort of a hands-on, this is how we actually do it at Bountiful Farms. So would these mm-hmm. these two, would these plants be grown in the same area? Would they be separate? How, how did you, how's the difference? Yeah. Yeah. So they're clearly marked by pheno. Once we get to that point where we identify the phenos, 
And then we're, we're growing them in much smaller quantities and, and kind of doing that quality check in the queue. You can kind of see offhand, oh, those are definitely not it, right? Those don't look healthy. Those, those we just don't like. But the other ones, you cut, you need to try them. You need to smell them and smoke them and, and extract them to know which ones are really your winners. With these kids specifically, there's a couple of phenos that, that our team was kind of torn on. Some felt really passionately about wine, some the other. And, or... and, you, and do you give a recommendation on is it better to vape these or smoke these or what well, is your recommendation? My recommendation is to consume how you usually consume. Okay. Uh, and and how, how, you, how you usually consume your flower. I, I really subscribe to dryer vaping. I know it's yeah. hard. You know, that it's an investment at first, but you really can get terpene profiles and it, it is... You're removing that combustion. And, um, and you're actually doing the heat thing. I like this is what I'm starting to understand. Like you can actually like if you were going to use a vape, you could actually recommend this specific phenome should be burnt at whatever the temperature. It's very specific people. It's weird. That's concentrates, right? Like certain yeah. we, we really specialize in rosin and, and rosin shouldn't be cranked up on the heat. You should keep that really low and slow to really enjoy what she is. But yeah, so basically we're just inviting the consumer to join us in the last leg of our pheno hunt and join us in in helping us make the the decision. And then we're dedicating ourselves to permanently or continuously growing the pheno that wins. Um, awesome. And and how did how did these specific strains get picked? Were they just why were they decided upon to even move forward with this project? Yeah. So we we started with about 30 strains. Some of them we the winner was clear. There was no point in putting a bounty hunter kit together. We we knew that's the one. Some of the strains, we just decided none of them were winners and, and we're not going to cultivate this strain anymore. These specific ones, either both are great representations and we're just a little torn. But there's actually a couple examples in, in these strains. of These phenols are really different. These are almost different plants. They taste different. They look different. They might even affect different or they most likely will if they smell different. So really kind of inviting people to to weigh in on that. I loved both strains for different reasons and this is why. So yeah, these these five strains which are Rainbow Belts which launched with Theory last week, Strawberry Gary that launches today, Wednesday at the GTI stores Rise and Affinity, and then we are doing Sugar Shack with the Botera locations, followed by Papaya Slapper with Seed, and then followed again by what's that? Zclair. Z So so this is just so this is for the next six weeks. And if you go into Bountiful Farms Medicinal or any of this, where, where are you distributed across the state or where are you? Where is it happening? So only so all of the drops will be here at Natick at our, our med okay. location. OK. And then we have selected partners who are have willing to kind of join us on this process and, and dedicate themselves to education and, and kind of be the home for one strain each. So this so this week. Strawberry Gary with the Rise and Affinity dispensaries. And what's really great is all of these partners have have allowed us to come in and do in-depth education and training for their staff on this process so that that educate, because the purpose is education, right? So we need our frontline soldiers to to have those tools exactly. to be able to communicate them to consumers. Which is even all these products. Okay, so this is like an awesome little deal. You can't go wrong. Obviously, both strains are awesome. That's why they're even in the little package. So you'll get them both and you'll decide if one is better and you can get it for the next five, four weeks. I think I lost track. Five weeks. (laughs) Something like that. All right. And check them out. It'll be in the show notes, of course. And if you are in Massachusetts, go to Bountiful Farms in Natick. 
That's Correct. where the one main is. And then if not, find it online because your, your, your products are carried in many different stores, but not necessarily this box, right? Right. This box okay. is very limited, but you can find us all over the state. And it's a really fun little place down in Lakeville, Massachusetts, which when I went down for some reason, I don't know, I was envisioning like a big field, like a farm. It's, it's a warehouse that's like kind of Willy Wonka. It's really amazing. That's the last thing too. It's yeah, it's like going into like uh yeah, it's yeah. it's the adult version of Willy Wonka. <laughs> Especially the grower, the main grower. So that's a whole nother story. Um yeah, all right. <laughs> Amy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for informing us about the Fino hunt. I didn't have any idea and I've been doing this industry for five years now and there's always so much more to learn. So check it out. Everything will be available online and in my show notes, so you'll be able to find it too. Thank, thank you. you so much. You're very welcome. All right, we are back with Luan. Let's see. So we alluded to earlier that you have many children. How many children do you have? I have six children. I birthed five. Birth five. And the ages? What's the range? My oldest is 28. My stepson is 16. My daughter is 15. I have twins. Our boy girl, they're 11. And our youngest daughter is nine. You got a range. And so growing up, I'm sure your relationship with cannabis and your family was very different. How does it work in your household now in what is it, what do they understand that's going on and at what level, what are you doing as a can of mom to change the conversation? Yeah. Well, growing up, again, it was taboo. It wasn't talked about. It was just, you don't do, don't use drugs. And that's how it was. Now, post-educational, with my older son, it, I was a closet smoker. He didn't know that I smoked at all. He didn't find out until he was very much so an adult when I came back to cannabis. So, with my younger children, it's very different. They've known since I started the education process and creating my own medicine, what it is. So I've taught them that it's an herb that grows naturally mm-hmm. and it helps heal us. So they also use the products like my CBD and CBG products, all the topical products they use. So that's where we are with cannabis at home. For my husband, he would prefer to use THC cannabis, but because of his employer, he cannot. But he also would like to be able to indulge in cannabis versus alcohol. And he has not drank since January 1st of 2022. Wow. So you're really, it's a, it's, a, it's ridiculous, right? Isn't that ridiculous that you're allowed to drink? <laughs> ridiculous. But you're not allowed, allowed to drink at work. Yes. But. Yeah, it's absurd. All right. So they know it's a plant medicine. They know mommy uses it. And then let's just talk more about your food. So we talked earlier a lot about the uh, ways to consume cannabis there are many tinctures, edibles, smoking, but a lot of the edibles are sugar based. That's kind of how they work. Or so yeah, you had based the edibles off anything. Well, I can make anything. So if you choose a sugar based, then yes, you can have a sugar based, but you can infuse absolutely anything right. um, to use. So that's so that's where you go. So that's where you are. And, and I have more and more people who want to use <clears throat> cannabis as an as a food source instead of smoking because people don't like to smoke. So Yes. So what are so what are people asking you for or what do you find that people and how is your community using the different products you're making in different in ways that maybe you didn't even expect but are finding health through them? Um actually the surprising one is oils. People say tinctures, but we have to understand the difference. Tinctures are only alcohol based. So mm-hmm. if it's made based with an oil, then it's just an oil. Okay. So the community is <clears throat> especially for people who are like vegan or don't want to intake sugar then oils have been a great source for them. Doing a blend as well, like the THC-CBD blend works well for oils too. I have some who just want sugar or honey so they could just infuse how they want on their dose just a little at a time. <clears throat> great for tea drinkers. Tea is also amazing. I have uh, raw flower tea and uh, decarb tea. 
So it just depends on how you want to take it. But the candid, the whole plant is just beneficial as a whole. I mean, every part of it is beneficial. And, and if we had this information prior to 1937's prohibition, I don't think our country or the world would be in the predicament it is right now. I believe that too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's just a mess. So we're trying to repair what um about 80 years of damage at this point. So it's a lot to get done, but we have to realize it goes back that far. And and I advocated that hard for a general session. They were trying to put the Cannabis Commission under alcohol tobacco here in Maryland. But every time I had a chance to write my testimony or give a verbal, I mean, a written, me, virtual, because I didn't go in session, but I did virtual, I just stress the importance of learning that cannabis is an herb, just like other herbs that we use to uh, heal ourselves with. And this whole experience has opened me up to the various herbs that are beneficial to our health that we were taught were weeds, like dandelion. <laughs> dandelion, for one, is like the one of the most beneficial herbs you can grow naturally outside. <laughs> Excuse me. And it's just so much. So I've just taken that. Well, the, the journey to cannabis healing has opened me up to the whole spiritual world of natural healing. And I just really use herbs. We use a lot of herbs here. So are you finding in the Maryland political system that they are responsive to the things you're saying to them? Do you feel like people want to hear this or do you feel like there's still a, a disconnect again between what they believe and they can't possibly believe anything else because they must know what's right? Are you, what are you experiencing there? I think it's 50-50. <clears throat> I think some people are curious and interested to learn and some have actually taken the steps to learn. And so they did change that. I don't know if it was just my voice, but all the voices together. So cannabis has its own commission now and it's not under alcohol and tobacco. Smart. For right. So you are impacting the, the policies moving forward. I mean, a lot of things, just me being vocal in my space and using the platform that I have right now, which was to me is still small, but it's growing in just my return to cannabis has helped be this way. Hold on for a second. I'm, come I'm comfortable being an introvert. Like I've been comfortable just living in my own space and doing what I do for my family. But I realized the bigger picture here because my kids are going to grow up in the same mess. So if I don't do something about it, then I'm just accepting it. So I thought it was time for me to step up. Wow, LaVon, you are breaking generational habits <laughs> using cannabis as a tool. Again, it doesn't solve every problem, but you get some behavior get your cognitive behavioral therapy done. You figure out your, your mind, body, your spirit. You sprinkle it with a little cannabis and you can be a power force as well because look at this. This is amazing. So, yeah. all right, LaJuan, all right, more things going on in your life. We have a couple more minutes. Is there anything else you just want to get out there? I know we met yes. on a webinar. You're talking about things like what's going on in Maryland. What are you looking for? Any help or just all that? And then the best way, of course, to connect with you. Okay, well, we have yeah. Black Cannabis going on right now in Philadelphia. It's been virtual events all week long and Friday and Saturday will be in person. I do have, <clears throat> excuse me, I do have a speaking event tomorrow with Black ooh, ooh, ooh. Cannabis Week under advocacy, and that's at twelve thirty. So they have a link tree, which is Black Cannabis Week. We'll go find out how to get tickets. If people are local to Philly, you can show up Friday and Saturday and be there in person. So please do support this. This is their fourth fourth year. Fourth year for Black Cannabis Week, so that's amazing. I think Dr. Um, Bridget Williams, who's part of the Courage and Cannabis Ensemble, she should be there. My friend, Dr. Bridget. <laughs> yeah, I think she's there yeah, too. I so. she, yeah, I think so for sure. For me personally, I have my ebooks that are great digital publications that anyone can go to my website, we'resurviving.com, and download. There is a fee. I have some from there that are free, which is our Legacy in Maryland Cannabis Edition. I encourage anyone who's interested to know who sold from Maryland Cannabis prior to the MSOs coming in, 
to check out that publication because it's amazing. It lets you know from people who are hand-touching to those who are ancillary, they're right there in that book. It's uh, two um, volumes because it was too big for me to have in one, but it's free. So please check it out and download it. It's on we'resurviving.com. I just, you know, support this movement. People want to just, you know, support toxicity, but I need people to encourage and support positivity because we need more positive things in our environment. It's just way too much toxicity going on and that's what's encouraged, but we have to encourage the adverse of that and that is to be positive and to learn how to heal. Amen. That is the thought I'm going to leave you with today. So thank you, Luan. The best way to connect with you, if they want to reach you, if they want to buy a product from you, if they need a big good, where... I just send me an email, shriveltreats.com or hit my link bio at Shrivels. You'll find me. I'm Candlewoman Hill. I'm Shrivel Treats. I'm also Shrivel on TikTok. Just send me a message. She's busy. She's making policy changes. She's raising a family. She's changing the next generation. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for sharing your story. That's really powerful. I hope people are listening are hearing how, I don't know, this is just a you can change your thought process. You can heal yourself and change generations to come. And this is a really powerful can of mom story. So. Oh, yeah. I did forget that we do have an intermission that's coming up as well for next week. So if anyone wants to come in and discuss depression, understanding depression and anxiety, especially from women's standpoint, being a mom, I suffered postpartum depression, didn't understand it. But I could speak of all this with openly with understanding now and experience. So. And transparency. That's why we're sharing this story so people know they're not alone. That's really, it's the power of the shame. The shame was because people are isolated and now people are talking about it and healing. So thank you for your work and everything that you're doing to heal yourself so you can heal others. That's amazing. Thank All right. You. And that, again, is another show. Thank you for joining us for the third show of season five. So for my guests, Lauren Scribbling and, of course, Amy from Bountiful Farms, if you're in the area to pick up your Phenom kit, I'm going to try mine later and my Canterbro, David Jazz, and of course, our Canon Mom Show team. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Canon Mom Show, where we are sharing and preserving the stories of love, kindness, wisdom, and hope. Thank you for following and sharing the inspiring stories of the women building this new industry so together we can crush that stigma around cannabis and caregivers. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber. This is the Canon Mom Show, and we are a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name is Kira Reed, and I'd like to invite you to be inspired by the women who are leading in the cannabis industry. Each week, we will discuss empowerment, leadership, and what it means to be a woman in charge in marijuana, hemp, and CBD. As the founder of the Women Empowered in Cannabis community, I have had the great pleasure to get to know many brilliant and talented women who are CEOs, executives, politicians, advocates, and community leaders that are focused on creating a cannabis economy that is just, fair, and equal. We'll learn how these women make decisions, how they navigate a predominantly male industry, and what they're doing to level the playing field for women. I hope you'll join us.